if God has ever brought you through and over a mountain, can you just give him some praise right now? Say thank you, Jesus. Some of us have come through mountains of debt. Mountains of sickness. Mountains of loneliness. Mountains of depression. But he brought us through. Mountains of rejection. But he brought us through. He's been with us every step of the way. He's a great God. And speaking of mountains, he brought my people through mountains of slavery, segregation, and oppression into a place and an experience of freedom. And tomorrow, being a national holiday, to celebrate the ending of slavery here in the United States of America um, because he took our people through some mountains. We're here today because of his sustaining grace. And America is a better place and on its way to being a better place because of that. You know, when Abraham Lincoln, as Dr. Martin Luther King said, was vacillating, didn't know which way to go, wanted to keep the union or the country together. And he would have done that whether they could agree on slavery or they had to abolish slavery. He, he was back and forth but through counsel that he received from people who looked like me. Because at one time he wanted to send us back to Africa as part of a solution. He's, he's struggling, but Frederick Douglass and others in that time said, no, fight for freedom and put those enslaved men and women into the army and into the Navy. He listened. And as a result of that, um, the right side, one, and I thank God for that. And so he signs the Emancipation Proclamation in 1862 to go into effect January 1st, 1863, which is why our folks stayed up on December 31st, 1862, watching for freedom on that day, January 1st. So that's why we have watch night services in many of our communities. And so those who were enslaved in Confederate states, they were free. Um, but people in Texas didn't get that word. They didn't know. And so even when the war ended in April of 1865, people in Texas still didn't get the word until two months later. So for over two years, people who were legally free were not literally free because they didn't know the truth. Because the truth can set you free. But once those Union soldiers went into Galveston, Texas, and they began to read the order from the United States government that they were free, the enslaved there in Galveston began to celebrate, sing, and shout hallelujah. And uh, from that time on, in Texas and now around the country, we've been celebrating Freedom Day. And thank God. For, he's the emancipator. He's the emancipator who sets us free. And speaking of free, we've got a sister who is free from working. She is retired 
and we celebrated her yesterday. Sister Alfreda Harris, would you stand? She is retired. Yes. <laughs> yes. We love you. We're proud of you. And, and so many of her friends and family came in town to bless her. And Alfreda has a way of being personal with every person that she knows where you think that you're her best friend and that she gives you all of her time. But she does that with a lot of people. And uh, to see your grandchildren yesterday and to see a beautiful black family, um, that's not what we see on the news. And so to, to see your children rising up calling you blessed, it truly blessed my soul. So amen. And uh, we had a wonderful Juneteenth gala, gala, depending upon where you come from, how you pronounce it. I, I do both. Uh, on Friday night, the sneaker ball. And man, hundreds of people in attendance and beautiful band. And it was a time for dancing. And as soon as the dance music came on, I am proud to say that the first people on the dance floor were members of Strong Tower Bible Church. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Because y'all are going to give me a praise in the house of the Lord throughout the week. You're going to praise them. But uh, man, when those songs come on, y'all got on that floor, made your pastor proud. Y'all look good too. I ain't going to call no names, but Michelle sitting right here. Man, she was getting it, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then the street festival yesterday, uh, third year in a row that the Franklin Justice and Equity Coalition has led this charge, really four, but three on the square in Franklin, Tennessee. Again, thousands of people came. Ebony was um, the host out there. Another great day. The mayor and other officials came by. Uh, bands, vendors. It was awesome. And uh, so it was amazing. And coming in from Maryland, Baltimore, my family, they said, you know what? We, we could celebrate AFRAM in Baltimore, but we'd rather come to Tennessee. Some flew, some drove to be here to celebrate Juneteenth with us. I think the second or third year in a row. So my Baltimore family, would you just wave your hand? Yes. Come on, Reagan. Wave your hand. Yeah, yeah. So I love you guys. Thank you all for being here today. Um, my sister, Kathy, is going to be preaching here August 13th. Well, speaking. She says speaking here. Uh, she's a leader in uh, her church and in the community. And uh, she does these table talks, these kitchen table talks, where she discusses race and justice with a diverse group of people. She is a leader in her own right. She's an elder in her church, and, uh, and she's the matriarch of our family. And so I'm honored that she is going to come and share in August. So God's blessing us with all these God's diverse kingdom champions that we have coming. Um, we've got Pastor Walter Simmons coming in July. My good friend, Pastor Travis Duke, is coming. Uh, Elder Sherman is going to be interviewing James Mitchell. I've got uh, a friend coming in from Dallas Theological Seminary who's coming to preach. Uh, we've got Mona coming to, to share a word. And then I've got a friend coming from Arkansas, uh, Mark DeMoss. So uh, we're setting the table for you. So be encouraged with what the Lord has. 
Well, today, would you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8? Mark chapter 8. There is a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Man. And thank you to all the volunteers from Strong Tower who showed up to, to lend a hand yesterday. It was hot outside, but I saw many of you just serving, picking up stuff, carrying stuff, helping people break down, set up their um, exhibits, all that stuff. So thank you, Strong Tower, for doing what you do. So today, I'd like to preach a message entitled, I See Men Like Trees. Happy Father's Day. I see men like trees. I'll begin reading in Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And the Bible says, when, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. So I have a question this morning as I get started. Why in the world did Jesus heal this man in stages? Did you read what I just read? Why did he heal this man in stages? Well, let's seek to answer that question in a couple more, but let's make sure we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Let's pray. Father, we need a word from you on this day. I thank you there is a word in the word, but we got to get in the word to get a word. And I'm so glad, Lord, that you can give your people a word without me, without a preacher, because they have an anointing that comes from you that will teach them all things. You're a good God. You love to communicate to us. But the question is, are we listening? Are we tuned in? Are we intentional to spend time with you, reading your word, to hear your voice? Lord, I thank you that we get to assemble together to worship you in spirit and in truth and to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to us through this passage. Bless each father and father-to-be from this message that will come forward today. And for those of us, Lord, who don't fit the category of being a father or a father-to-be, there is still a word for us today. We need vision of who we are and whose we are. And we thank you in advance for the revelation that shall come. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. Why did Jesus heal this blind man in stages? Well, before I attempt to answer this question, we've got to go back a little bit to what we talked about last week in Mark chapter 8. And that was when Jesus fed 4,000 hungry people. We said last week that he had fed the multitudes on at least two occasions as recorded in Scripture. 
where Jesus fed the 5,000. And then in Mark 8, we expounded last week that he fed 4,000. However, the 12 disciples in the midst of that test, in the, mess, in the midst of that miracle, they forgot who Jesus was. They forgot what Jesus did. And we said last week that they forgot what Jesus said. Why were they so forgetful? Well, according to the passage, they had hard hearts. And when your heart is hard, the word, which is like a seed, is going to bounce off. And, and you can miss a miracle. You can miss a move in a moment with God because you've got an attitude problem. They had an attitude problem. They just didn't feel like feeding all those people again. They had just got finished ministering. They were worn out. They were weary. They were looking for some alone time, and those people followed them to the other side of the lake. And when they got out of the boat, Jesus had compassion. But those brothers were hot as fish grease. They didn't feel like serving, and so they served. But they served with a hard heart. They had a collective hard heart. It just wasn't two of them that had a hard heart. It was all 12 of them because that thing can spread. And so because of that, Jesus had to ask them nine questions to help jar their identity of who they were and who they were becoming in him. He had to ask some questions, and we see this in chapter 8, beginning at verse 17. This is after the miracle, and their jaws are tight. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? So that's the first question. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? That's the second question. Is your heart still hardened? Third question. Having eyes, do you not see? Fourth question. And having ears, do you not hear? Fifth question. And do you not remember? Sixth question. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? Then they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basket full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. Final question. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? And if you've been walking with Jesus for a minute, he's asked you that question a couple of times. How come you don't understand? And if we were to translate it, it literally means how come you don't get it? And in this case, how come you don't know who you are? Because two times Jesus asked them in the midst of these nine questions, do you not understand? You guys don't know what's going on out here because you don't know who you are in me and who I am making you to become. Oh, a man or a woman who doesn't know who they are is a man or a woman that's in trouble. Because we can't even get to why we are here if we don't know who we are and whose we are. Once we understand who we are and whose we are, it gives development into why we are here and where we are and what we're supposed to be doing. But when you don't know who you are, you are in a conundrum. You are all over the place. Well, the other night, my family and I, we went to go see the Black Panther at the Skirmerhorn. 
Symphony Center. Y'all, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. I've seen that movie about 20 times. But seeing it with a full orchestra playing under the screen is something else. And then they had a brother there from Senegal, I believe, who played on the actual movie soundtrack. He was a part of the orchestra. So he came out last. He was the special guest. And he had his African drum with him. He was dressed in beautiful African garb. And the orchestra and this brother put on a performance. So while the movie is playing, they are playing the strings and the horn, all of that. And he's hitting that drum. Boop, 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 and they're building the climax up on the scenes. Man, it was crazy. Matter of fact, I started seeing the movie in a new light, as if I had never seen it before because of the aesthetic quality of the music. It was a, they brought us in in a way that just watching it could not do. And I walked away saying, you know what? I'm going to be deep here. This movie is about T'Challa or the Black Panther understanding his new identity as the king of Wakanda. So throughout the movie, he is wrestling with, grappling with, and ultimately accepting the fact that he is now the king taking the place of his father who was murdered. And he struggled. He struggled. And so throughout the movie, it was about his identity. And on Challenge Day, if you've seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so I'm not giving nothing away. It's challenge day, and in their tradition, anyone with royal blood can challenge to the throne. And so, although he is to get it by nepotism, uh, it's open to all of the tribes of royal blood to challenge for the throne. And so, no one was coming forth. But then, all of a sudden, you heard, ooh, ooh, ah, ah, yeah, ooh, ooh. Man, it was M'Baku and the homeboys, the guerrilla boys from the mountains. We have been watching and listening from the mountains. You could not protect your own father. And so the two of them got into a fight for the throne. And M'Baku is beating T'Challa. And he hits him upside the head because T'Challa had the Black Panther power stripped from him. And so he said, no power. No claws, no suit, and he's beating him up. And there's a scene where T'Challa leans back because he's bludgeoned and he's beaten. And he looks and he sees his mother in the distance, played by the wonderful, what's her name? Angela Bassett. Bassett. Y'all remember what she says? Show him who you are. In other words, your identity. You may be wasting away on the outside, but you should be renewed on the inside because of your identity. You're the son of a king. This is your rightful position to lead this nation. Show this man who you are. So at that point, he says, I am Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. And he defeats his enemy. And then the movie ends. And I never really picked this up. But at the end, when they go to Oakland and they buy the building that's about to be condemned where his cousin was murdered by his own father, 
He buys that and he says to his sister, I want you to transform this condemned project building into a learning center, a science center, technology center for this community. And as he's standing by the fence, his spaceship comes and lands in front of everybody. And, and all the kids run over to it because it's a spectacle. But one boy, he's not running to the ship. He sees T'Challa chilling by the fence. And he walks up to him and he says, who are you? And T'Challa smiles. And the movie goes off because he finally knows who he is. I'm the king of Wakanda. So fathers, who are you? Do you know who you are? Pastor, some days I know who I am, but other days, my goodness, pray for a brother. Well, I amen that with you. But in order to give them a vision of who they were and what they should become, Jesus took his 12 disciples to a blind man. Stay with me, Strong Tower. He's asking them questions. Basically, y'all don't know who you are. So I'm going to take you to a blind man so that he can tell you who you are and what you need to become. This blind man would be used by God to help give the disciples sight. Now, we should not be alarmed by this because blind people have been known to see things that people with sight can't see. I said blind people have been known to see things that those of us with sight, we just can't see. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we don't focus on things that are seen because sometimes your eyeballs can be a limitation. We don't focus on what's seen. Why? Because the stuff we see is temporary. No, we got to look at stuff that is unseen because that's the eternal stuff, the spiritual stuff. So shift your sight and your focus. All that you see is not all that there is. And blind people who cannot see in this natural realm have spoken to us time and time again. Well, let me give you a couple of examples. In the song, America the Beautiful, Ray Charles has a rendition. Ray Charles, who became blind around age seven, started going blind around age five, lost his sight at age seven, but became a master musician and singer and songwriter. And he takes a song that was written by someone else that we heard, that he even heard when he was in elementary school at a special school for, for children who were blind. He heard the song, America the Beautiful. But when he got older, he says, I'm going to record my own and even put a, a stanza on the front end that's not a part of the original. But when this blind man starts singing America the Beautiful, I see stuff that I normally don't see under other renditions. He says, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains, majesty, Above the fruited plain. America! <laughs> America! Man, God shed his grace on thee. Boy, when I hear him singing, I'm like, man, I look at America differently through his eyes. And he's blind. But then Stevie Wonder comes along 
with a ribbon in the sky. You never saw a ribbon in the sky. But when blind Stevie Wonder sings a ribbon in the sky, you see a ribbon in the sky. And that's why a lot of y'all play it on your wedding day. Stevie says, oh, so long. For this night I prayed that a star would guide you my way to share with me this special day. There's a ribbon in the sky for our love. And then a little bit later, he talks about when God is on our side. Oh, my goodness. You see things through a blind artist. And musician. Okay, that's too deep for y'all. I'll take you back on this. Looking back on when I was a little nappy-headed boy. You see that? And my only worry was for Christmas, what would be my toy? Blind folks have given us vision. We see stuff. And then the deaf and blind Helen Keller, she once was asked, what? could be worse than being blind. So she's blind and deaf, and she was asked, what can be worse than being blind? And here's what Helen Keller said. She says, the only thing worse than being blind is having eyes that can see, but having no vision. Because we can see stuff, but a lot of us don't have vision. So blind people have always been used by God to teach us. And so there are five questions from this text that we will ask and hopefully answer so that we can walk out of here with better vision and sight today. The first question is going to come from verses 22 through 23, and that is, why did Jesus lead this man out of town? I'll go back to verse 22. It says, then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Isn't it good that you have friends that can take you to Jesus? Like the guy who was a paralytic, who couldn't walk, couldn't get into the house, but four friends carried him, and when they couldn't get into the door because there were so many people, they took him up to the roof, then bust through the roof and lowered him down to Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said to him, your sins are forgiven. Isn't it good when you got friends? When you can't walk, when you can't talk, when you're struggling, you can't see, and they bring you before the throne of grace, intercessory prayer. That's why we need to be in community and stop trying to live like Lone Ranger Christians. Because there may come a time where you're going to have to take your friend into the presence of Jesus. It's just not about you. It's also about how you can help others as well. So the Bible says they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Jesus, why did you take him out of the town? One of the best ways to learn the Bible is by asking questions of what you're reading. Why'd you do that, Lord? And we can use our sanctified imaginations. And I believe the Lord did this for privacy, for one-on-one time. Jesus would resist uh, the crowds many times because they wanted uh, 
to have these spectacular moments. They wanted to see this great miracle worker, which would cause them not to always listen to his teaching. They were looking for these spectacular moments. And so sometimes he would just steal away from the crowd and minister one-on-one and minister privately. And that is what he's doing here. But I want us to notice that the blind man didn't take hold of Jesus' hand. The text said, so he took the blind man by the hand. That's so important. Don't miss that. A lot of us, we struggle today because our theology is so messed up. We think we're in this relationship with God because we're holding on to his hand. No, I'm just holding on to God's unchanging hand. Okay, you do that. But also keep in mind while you're holding on, he's holding on to you. He's got you. It's not up to you to have a strong grip. No, he's got the grip and he's holding you. Matter of fact, Jesus says, my sheep are in my hand and no one can pluck them out of my hand. He's holding on to me, which gives me courage to hold back on to him. So somebody be free today from that performance-based acceptance kind of Christianity. And he allows the Lord to take him by the hand, and he's following Jesus to a place he doesn't even know. He doesn't know what's going on. He can't see. But he's trusting Jesus. He is trusting where the Lord is taking him, even though physically he cannot see where the Lord is taking him. You know, we can stop and park right there because a lot of us got to see where God is taking us. We got to see everything become clear before we make a move. Where in the Bible does it say God's will got to become clear before you walk with Jesus? No, we walk with Jesus by faith. And a lot of times stuff will unfold and unveil as we take steps of obedience. He's not going to show us the whole picture because a lot of times if he shows us everything, we ain't going to go. So we ain't going to go. Take this step with me. I'll show you more. I'll show you more. So this blind brother is speaking to us. But here's another question in verse 23. And that question is, why did Jesus spit on this man? Come on, help me, somebody. Why did Jesus spit on this man? Because at the end of verse 23, it says, and when he had spit on his eyes. Now, during his ministry, Jesus healed blind folk quite often. He had different methods when he healed them. Sometimes he would speak over them and they'd be healed. Other times he would just touch their eyes and they would be healed. Other times he would spit into the ground, make a mud pie. Any Bible readers in here? And then put the mud on their eyes. Different methods. But on this one, he spit on this dude. And that would cause some of us to say, if, if that's what it takes to get my blessing and my breakthrough, I don't want it. You ever have somebody spit on you? By accident first, by accident. That's why a lot of people don't sit up front at Strong Tower. But man, if somebody spit on you by accident, they talking, they don't know, and then you see the spittle leave and then land on you, you like, you're not paying attention to nothing else they saying. You're like, they just spit on me, man. But here's the saving grace, here's the saving grace. Jesus spit on the brother, but the brother didn't see it coming. Uh, uh, are you tracking with me? You know, 
He ain't said come in. Jesus reserves the right to work with each of us differently. Some of y'all are like, why didn't God do it for me the way he did it for brother or sister so-and-so? He's no respective person. No, he is no respective person, but his methods change. So don't try to cookie cut somebody else's blessing to fit your situation. Because he might just be spitting on you. Now, I know that it appears cruel. At first, when you look at it, that, well, that's cruel. Why, why would you do that? Well, a healing is on the way. And I know some of us are like, Lord, the way you're dealing with me right now just feels cruel. I don't like how you're treating me, how you're ministering to me. It's hard. It feels like spit on me from heaven. But if you can just hang in there, there's a healing and a blessing on the way. The third question is, what did the blind man mean when he said, I see men like trees walking? Verse 24, after it says Jesus spit on them and put his hands on them, he said, hey, do you see anything? Again, so Jesus is healing his brother in stages. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Now, I got to remind you that when Jesus takes the guy out of the town to avoid speculation, and people just, because he's going to tell the guy later, now, after he heals him, don't go back into the town. Go home. We'll cover that as I close. But again, Jesus is trying to stay away from all the speculation. So he leaves the town, but he takes his disciples with him. So there are 12 dudes with Jesus that he's discipling, that he's mentoring, that he's showing the kingdom to. So when the man says, I see men like trees, he's saying, I see 12 disciples. I see men who are with you. They're walking. I see men. So Jesus heals him in stages because the next time he touches him, he's going to see clearly. But the first time he spits on him and touches him, he sees men like trees. Who is that? That's the disciples. And trees represent strength. I see some strong men. Trees represent beauty and honor and so many wonderful things. The disciples were strong men. Remember, they're kind of all over the place. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand. So the blind man says, I see some men like trees. Only problem is they're walking. They're walking. Because trees are not supposed to walk. See, don't, don't try to get too deep when you read the Bible. This is the deep stuff. I see men like trees, good, but they're walking. If you see a tree walking, you know you're dealing with fiction. You're looking for Groot from the, uh, from the Avengers and all that. Groot, Groot, Groot is a tree that's walking. Trees are not supposed to walk. Trees are supposed to be planted. And this is speaking to their, uh, uh, their struggle in the moment because the walking signifies that they are restless with God as opposed to being planted, which means they're rooted and steadfast in God. So the walking around is signifying that they're out of place, that they're frantic, that they're anxious, that they're consumed with issues and concerns and cares. I see men like trees, 
But these brothers are walking when they should be planted. Because once a tree is uprooted, it will soon die within a day or two. Some trees, if they're smaller, you can replant them. But once the roots are exposed, and if those roots are not hydrated, uh, that tree is not going to make it. So a tree walking around is a tree that's in a dangerous situation. And we got a lot of men who are not planted. They are walking around. Hang with me, brothers. Hang with me. Christmas trees, we bring them out once a year. Some of us have them up in the attic. They are artificial. But then some of us, we go to the store, or to Costco, to Kroger, or one of them nice places set out on the road, and we'll pay $100, $200, $300 for a tree. But no matter how pretty that tree is, no matter how much you decorate that tree, that's still a dead tree. You might as well stick with the artificial. Both of them are the same. They're dead. A lot of Christians are like that. Oh, you look good. You look shiny. Oh, you're decked out. You, you look good, but you're dead. Because Jesus said in John 15, unless you abide, remain, be planted in me, you can do nothing. And a lot of us are trying to live the Christian life without Jesus. Lord, give me salvation. I got it from here. You're a Christmas tree. I see men walking who should be planted, which explains the fourth question. Why did Jesus heal this man in stages? Because verse 25 says, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. So when he spoke and said, I see men like trees walking, that was a word for the disciples, for them to hear from the blind man about where they are right there in that moment. You ever been raising your kids and you've been telling them stuff, telling them stuff, telling them stuff. Then that cool uncle comes by the house, says to your kids the same stuff you've been saying. And then the kids act like they never heard it before. That's probably how Jesus felt. I've been trying to tell you, brothers, who y'all are, what's going on, and then let me go grab this blind brother because maybe y'all are listening to him since you're not listening to me. And the blind man says, y'all are trees, but y'all are walking around. Disciples, I hope you get that word because you don't need to be walking around. You need to be planted because in the Hebrew culture, being planted is some serious stuff. Quickly, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like what? Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So when a man, a woman, is planted in the Lord, you can expect some prosperity to occur in your life. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit, God's goodness on your life. 
but are you planted or are you walking around? Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So we're going to be planted in the Lord and we're also going to be planted in the house of the Lord. Uh-oh, that's a problem right there. That's a problem. Pastor. You don't know what the church did to me. I got church hurt. I don't trust church. Uh, uh, truth is, you weren't that committed before you got hurt. Mm -hmm. COVID years, we watched church online. By life, right? That's what we had to do, right? But then when the doors of the church opened back up, people who could come back have not come back because they're so comfortable being at home. That's okay, but that's not the ideal because trees grow best. And Brother Ben taught the men this a couple of months ago. Trees grow best when they're planted in proximity to one another. Didn't you say that, Ben? Because underneath there's the root system where the, the trees connect underground and they feed each other nutrients underground. So if one tree is struggling, the stronger trees through the root system helps the weaker tree become a stronger tree. But if you're at home, who's pouring into you? If you're at home, who's hugging you, looking you in your eyes, blessing you, and encouraging you? Yeah, you're getting the word, but the word ain't the same uh, if you're not here with the people of God. Amen in the same thing. And the worship, don't get me started on the worship. You ain't lifting your hands in your living room. Don't, don't even tell me that you're doing that. But there are times, man, when I'm worshiping the Lord and I see one of our singers up here who's going through some stuff, a couple of mountains, and they start worshiping God, that ignites my worship to say, it's going to be all right. Man, if they can praise God, let me join and praise God as well. But you got to be rooted in the house of God. And some men, some women, they don't want to be rooted in the house of God because they don't want to be under anyone. The Bible talks about there are people that are over you in the Lord. Who's your pastor? What's your church community? Every Christian needs it. Well, they hurt me over there. Well, the way God set it up that the same community you got hurt in is the same community he wants to heal you in. Because watch this. We get hurt at the club when we used to go. We get hurt at the club, but we go back. We get hurt on the job, but we go back. We get hurt by the government, but we still pay taxes. But we get hurt by the church, I ain't going no more. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Are you planted in the house of the Lord? And if it's not this house, find a house. You've got to be in a church, official. Not just visiting and coming when you want, which, by the way, statistics say that there was a time folks went to church at least three times a month. Now we're good to see people once a month because they're not planted in the house of God. They're restless. They're roaming. They're wandering. They're walking. And the reason why it's important to be planted in the house of the Lord, Psalm 128 verse 5 says this, The Lord bless you out of Zion. 
Zion, the holy hill of God. And in the New Testament, Zion is equated to the local church. There's a blessing that God has for you because you're connected to Zion. The Bible says, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. So God will bless you from Zion. Everything I got is because I've been rooted in Zion, in the church, the local church. My friends, my jobs, everything, my wife, college, scholarships, everything I got came because I am rooted, have been rooted in the house of God. So stop wandering, stop walking, and get rooted in the Lord. Now, 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 as you read the next few verses here, Peter heard the blind man stop walking, got rooted, and when Jesus said, who do men say I am? He said, um, you're the Christ. That's who you are. Bless you. You didn't get that from figuring it out. My father gave you that revelation. Why? Because now you are rooted. Now, he started tripping just a couple verses after that, but he's rooted. (laughs) God gave the disciples a word through a blind man. They were trees, but they were trees walking when they should have been trees planted. And throughout the Bible, you will see God talking about being trees who are planted. Jeremiah chapter 17 is another passage. God wants us planted in him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 talks about being rooted in Christ that we may grow up into him. Rooted, planted. God expects that of us. But when we're walking around, there are a lot of men in trouble, a lot of fathers in trouble right now because they're walking around when they should be planted in the Lord, rooted in Christ, and planted in the house of the Lord. So if that blind man stopped by Strong Tower Bible Church to give a word to the men of this church. I got a feeling he would say something like this. Jesus says to him, blind brother, what do you see at Strong Tower Bible Church. Oh, Jesus, I see men like trees standing. They're not walking, Jesus, but but the men of Strong Tower, they are standing. They are rooted. They are planted, not only in you, Jesus, but the men of Strong Tower are planted in the house of the Lord. They're so planted, Lord, that they serve. They're so planted, Lord, that they fellowship together. They're so planted, Lord, that they give of their finances and their time. They're so planted, Lord, that they serve the youth, that they serve the children, that they serve in the community. They're so planted, Lord, that from them, from the roots, fruits are coming out of their lives, Lord. Matter of fact, like trees, they are lifting their hands to the heavens and they are blessing you. They are not like the men who went worship comes, they put their hands in their pockets, but the men of Strong Tower are trees that are lifting up their hands to God because Paul said, I desire men everywhere to lift up holy hands to God. So I see the men of Strong Tower, they are worshipers, God. They are servants, God. They are bearing fruit, God. They're planted by the rivers of living water, God. They're planted in your house, God. They are men like trees, but they are rooted 
and they are planted. Oh, do you see what I see? If you see, then get up on your feet right now. Fathers, you are trees. You are bearing your fruit in due season. Can't untie this blindfold. <laughs> Messing up my microphone and everything. <laughs> Remember who you are. Remember who's y'all. If you need a church home, if you need to be planted, come see me. Stop passing it off. Come see me. And let's make it official. If you need Jesus, come talk to me. One of my deacons will pray with you. Come on now. It's time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're still speaking to us through a blind man. Thank you that the disciples needed a word, and so do we. Because we wander around, we walk around, or we're befuddled, we're confused, we're perplexed. But you want us to be planted in you like a tree by rivers of water. Not just the men, but the ladies as well. The students as well. The children as well. For what do we have if we do not place ourselves in the right alignment with you? Oh God, thank you for a fresh word. We choose today <laughs> to be rooted in Jesus. We choose today to be planted in the house of God. Lord, would you bless us from Zion all the days of our lives. May everything we do prosper. May our leaves stay fresh and green because we're connected to the life source. Now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us as faultless before his throne with the exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore, and all of God's people said, amen. Can I see the trees do this? Can I see the trees do this? Can I see the tree? Hallelujah. Jesus, you get my best praise. Jesus, I love you, Jesus. May some fruit in my life bless somebody else. So turn around and hug another tree. You know how they say hug a tree? Hug a tree before you leave.